Hello and welcome to Two Marines in Kiev. Tonight we've got uh, co-host uh, Andy Milborn, retired Marine Corps Colonel, former commander of Marsoc Raider Regiment and Special Task Force that fought ISIS in Syria and beat back uh, that threat and current CEO of the Mozart Group, doing great things in training and capabilities, evacuation and uh, medical capabilities in Ukraine, helping the military in its capacity, defending itself against Russian invasion. And uh, also Andy Bain, same first name, same background to an extent, also a Marine and uh, now CEO of the Ukraine Freedom Foundation. But more important than both of us is our guest, and uh, we're gonna simply call him Q. We're calling him Q not just to protect his identity, but those of you who are fans of James Bond movies and who could not be, will remember Q, the ingenious scientist who was kind of the brains behind the gadgetry that made James Bond licensed to kill. Uh, very modest guy, but uh, but most extraordinarily uh, adaptive uh, scientist and army officer. And uh, here today to talk about how Ukraine the Ukrainian military has adapted to Russian tactics, techniques, and procedures. Great pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure, and thanks for invitations and greetings from Kiev. My invitations in Kiev, so we are welcome you. Everybody who comes to Kiev, they're brave and heroes right now. <laughs> That's very, we paid them to say that. <laughs> that was from our sponsor. Every time that, uh, that we, you have hosted us at your, we call it, uh, the, the the kind of uh, what's a place called Skunk Works, right? Yeah. Are you familiar with the term from uh, this is the Second World War, right? But it's kind of similar. The factory that uh, that you own, uh, it's a very uh, eclectic mix of warriors and gadgetry. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you transferred from being a businessman into uh, this uh, this military scientist? Yeah, it was uh, basically eight years ago when we started uh, with one of uh, a few journalists. We started a fund to support army and uh, accidentally okay, or occasionally we have found that everything that we are buying for army, basically it's only a few items, a few number of our gifts to army are, could be applicable for army. So we started to work closely with officers, with militaries, and understood that the question not in money. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't help to army just spending money. It just takes people maybe a moral, like a moral, uh, rather than uh, real uh, efficiency. Understanding what requirements are. Yeah, requirement. Right, we call it requirement. In yeah. Ukrainian, it's potreba. So our major world working with army uh, since was potreba. So we ask army, what do you need? And after that, we got feedback and that's help us to bring, uh, to, to create and to build the biggest company in a private company in, uh, in one field in the military. We changed a lot of rules for eight years because Ukrainian army was not privately owned. It wasn't privately owned companies on the market, military market. And now it's around 80% of all uh, supplies to army comes from private owned companies. Okay. And uh, it's a huge changes for these eight years. And the lots of success that you see on the uh, Ukrainian uh, front line and in this war, it was due to private people, small groups and small companies which well, brought it. I remember back in 2014, your firm developed a uh, an artillery spotting tablet that was used a lot, and with a Freedom Fund bought some of those and helped out. And it was really innovative because you on the tablet you'd have the map, and a spotter could go up with the map on the tablet and just press where the enemy was, and it would get automatically fed back to the artillery unit, who could then send forward uh, artillery. 
I actually took several of those back to the United States and I took it to the a Marine Artillery Battery and showed the battery commander and they were really blown away by the capability that it had. The one thing they said at the time was the uh, National Security Agency would not allow uh, Marines to use it because of communication compromise encryption. It, it was way too innovative. It, it, was, it, it wasn't tied into the great industrial it, complex. It, it was far too effective and done too 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 inexpensively for the American uh, military industry. But it's, a fa- it's it, but it's we toured your factory a couple or last month, and it was it was straight out of the James Bond with all the things you're coming up with. And we went into the room with the uh, Molotov cocktail, specially designed to, and then the. Uh, missile training batter, uh, system you had. And it's really fascinating. But if you talk more about what you're saying on, on how you're innovating and, and adapting, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, really what you said about uh, first gadget and first software for artillery support, I wasn't the creator of that. I wasn't an engineer, saying frankly. It was the idea behind what I said. We joined with one team, small team, mm-hmm. which had an idea. And we just given them some investments, some space, work and this company now is number one group i would say not company because this is a group of people who supplied the software to the army and this program now is about 95 percent 90 percent of all the gadgets all the uh, artillery tablets on the market has inside it's different it's totally different and uh, now i would say that without the system our artillery would be blind at all mm-hmm. but uh, of course i, I can ask people who created that next time to visit you because without these guys our success in army was much much less and my my opinion that on that sample it was very good shown how small investments and the working with people who are motivated to do it to do such a things not under pressure yeah uh, gives you a very good result yeah after that we had lots and lots of products uh, developed on such an, uh, with such an idea that we found the key people which are saying that we have this idea, uh, we are uh, people who can bring this technology, but we don't have, okay, some common things to develop. And we started to invest in such small groups. We are engineers, so the major problem was uh, we created venture fund mm-hmm. that started to sponsor, started to invest mm-hmm. to small Ideas. Ideas to people with some smart ideas. The main problem behind that was requirement from army. Yeah. Because even if you have perfect idea, this is ridiculous. But the software Mm -hmm. were not bought by army. Only this. uh, We have only one problem, which was minus uh, investments. Yeah. It was this software. It's free of charge. Now it's completely, it's like Android. It's free of charge to the market. Behind that environment, around this program, it started to build new technologies. And this technology is communication, as you said. Yeah. We started to invest to communications, which can connect these tablets around. After that, we started to produce devices that can be connected to this tablet. And finally, it started to be business, but not on the software. So uh, that was what I'm talking about. That's, sometimes you don't see direct way that our army is able to buy it because, for example, in this case, army has no way to buy software. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. stupid. Okay, sorry. It's no, stupid. That's, yeah, this, but this going around. has no way to buy software. Yeah. Why? Because software development costs you millions of dollars. Yeah. And uh, when you come to army and say that, okay, you're only one purchaser. We, you have no market around the world for thousands and millions of customers. And our program costs one million dollars. And they say, no, but Windows cost us one hundred and one hundred dollars. How it could be? So 
it's a ridiculous situations, but we understand that this is a system and we cannot change it totally, yeah. okay, in the purchasing way, in the uh, procurement, because yeah, procurement, they... it's another issue. But anyway, many companies became, okay, I would say profitable and uh, self-sustaining to create new technologies. It was mostly in hardware. No, yeah, not, I mean, mostly in hardware, but you, you've given some great examples across the board. You know, once this most recent war started, the Russian occupation of very innovative solutions to some serious problems early on, serious requirements. Can you give a couple of examples? I would uh, tell you challenges that yeah. we now see, because uh, many people uh, around the world, they overestimated Russia possibilities. And yeah. Ukraine, uh, fortunately, we understood what's going on over there, because... What speak, is going on? We speak Russian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We understand what they're talking about in real life, not on Russia today, but in real and uh, the real environment in society. And we see that they had the, the problem that made our army very weak before 14. And uh, the major problem is a total state environment mm. without private companies, mm. without a freedom to yeah. create. And that's the major problem of them. Any idea inside of uh, Russia military business should come from above, not from from yeah. uh, very hierarchical. Yes. Yeah. You, you can't generate ideas. It's interesting because Ukraine, is, like you pointed out, is historically Ukrainian or MOD or the government has been very difficult to work with. But there's been a need and there's been sort of volunteers and people with innovation who've made it happen despite the government. And so you've had this, bot it's been by demand, by requirement, a bottom-up innovation as opposed to the top-down that the Russians only allow. Uh, sure, but I am back that only 20% now of military business is done by state companies. And that's, that's what was it eight years ago? Uh, it was 100%. I would say 95%. Okay. So it's just been a great transition because it's of... a great transition. And now there is an idea that uh, we should go by American style, that you have a grant contractor, and this grant contractor takes, like Boeing, like yeah. Dr. Grumman or Lockheed Martin, they takes the contract because they have budgets, they have mm -hmm. understanding, engineers, and after that they just distribute small contracts lots of very smart mm -hmm. groups that can create these technologies yeah and uh, now this is a transferring from the old style of working soviet style and russia didn't pass it and that's why ukraine engineering uh, and ukrainian manufacturing and military business is much more efficient i would say it's in different absolutely different now uh worlds yeah and the way that it's but what's particularly impressive to us with u.s background is still how flexible it is and how quickly you can field equipment. I'd love to hear some examples of the gadgets, you know, excuse me for calling them gadgets, but that you or your company has created from the outset of the war. You've shown us goggles because of the problem of, of soldiers getting blinded by uh, Russian lasers. You've given us a, you've shown us that sniper detection uh, system that was extraordinary. You know, I mean, the thermal protection, right? That, that disguises your thermal uh, signature from Russian thermals, basically. There's a lot of thermals. I mean, you've, you've, you've basically are leading probably the one of the leading military incubators on the VC model and coming up with all sorts of interesting things, which have a real laboratory to test them and try them out on. Any Western defense contractor, I'm sure are or should be looking at Ukraine and should be looking at your company and, and others like it, though you're the leader. We won't say who it is, but you're the leader. Uh, and uh, anyone who wants to get in touch with you can contact uh, either Andy at the Mozart Group or me at the Ukrainian Freedom Fund, and we'll put you in touch with Q here if you want to get in on uh, the military innovation directly that's going on. 
may take some uh, challenges that now existing in this war. And if people around the world, around United States, would like to join and they have some brilliant ideas or technologies, we can show them a way how to earn money and make a business in this field. Yeah. Because Ukraine, um, the benefit for Ukraine, I would say now a very strange thing that Ukraine now is the best place to test. We are the best marketing place for war already for eight years. Because if you develop something in Ukraine, next day it will have a real application mm -hmm. on front line. Yeah. You can test it. And soldiers, real soldiers saying, guys, you're doing shitty things. We don't need mm -hmm. it. And next time they say, no, it could be good, but you need to change these ZZs. And after that, you have feedback from your customer. Because when you supply mobile phone, you get this feedback very fast. Mm -hmm. And that's why Google, Google, Microsoft developing, because they have feedback. Yeah. And in military business, this feedback has a long period. Yeah. And in Ukraine, it has a very short period. Yes. Now it's a few hours even. <laughs> yeah. We've created your test. In, in, on the country, if you were, when you were in Iraq, if you needed an innovation and special operations would be the first to innovate, how long would it take you to get a requirement? Uh, I mean, it? the quickest was months, months and months, mm -hmm. basically. I mean, you submit a, a, a urgent need statement, but, but it's such a bureaucracy, such a hierarchy in the United States that even in the special operations community, it takes a long time, which is why I was very intrigued by what I've seen at, at your factory. And, and just for the, uh, I, I don't know if I do you want me to talk about the sniper detection device or is it should be not. Uh, oh, it's a great device. I can I can talk for a long time. <laughs> so it's just a matter of how much time we have. Yeah. But I would better to say not what we have, but what challenges. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah ahead of us of Ukraine. So I would say a few technologies that now we see that could change totally the not only this war but totally will change the future wars. The first technology, I would say, this is protected and secured communication. Mm -hmm. Because uh, what we see right now is that Russia started to use, in some way, protected technologies. They're using special technologies of um, that could be easily jumped for their aircrafts, unmanned yeah. aircrafts. And uh, these technologies should be done also by Ukrainian side and other sides mm -hmm. and other countries in the future. Of course, this technology exists in the United States and Israel in some countries, but this is a way how sm okay, uh, smaller countries with uh, lower technologies will go ahead with modern war only provided that they have this technology of protected communication. Yeah. Because, and what we are investing to, this is secured communication in, uh, okay, let's say, I would say it's SDR radio and frequency hopping. Mm -hmm. So these two ways, this existing technology basically, but it should be done in military products, not in uh, huge prices like right now. Yeah. But it should be done much easier and cheapest way, and this market will be totally changed. Because what we see now in the in the market that in the military market now, I'll say from business point of view that if someone wants to come to Ukraine, I would explain him that there is a market of secured communications. Yeah, okay. now, this, this brings the first. but it brings up an interesting point because you are then by default a threat to American companies like Harris, yes, who have very expensive secure communications. If you can do much more, much. I would say you, it's not a problem only that they have. The problem second is they don't have enough. But what they have, they charge a very high price for. And if you can do it for much, much less expensively, yeah. then they're going to be worried about you. Uh, it brings an interesting dynamic to the innovation. Sure, sure. But the problem right now is that Ukraine army, they are buying the system. They're getting the system from the United States, but it's not enough. 
Oh, and it was the same in 14 years, in 15, 16, and right now. Yeah. And now people are uh, amazed and surprised that we are talking about eight years already. And again, volunteers going and buy Chinese tactical mm-hmm. radios, analog radios. The most funny thing is that Russia has the same problem. They have also analog radios from those sites. Yeah, and which talking, is a good thing. It's also, we can uh, listen to them, they can listen to us. Yeah. But there are technologies that uh, need to be uh, installed not on personal, not, I'm not about now even tactical radio, I'm mm-hmm. talking about uh, unmanned systems. Because it's very expensive, it's a system that should be very good protected. And those who bring this technology to the market first, they will win the market. Yeah. Because uh, 15, around $15,000, it costs one set. So this is not a price that people can allow in this market. Yeah. So it should be much more cheaper. And it should give you tens of kilometers, okay, let's say 50 kilometers range. Yeah. And it should cost a few thousand dollars. So if this technology uh, will be brought to the market, this will be a very successful story. Mass production, mass production. Second, this is a system to jump, yeah. uh, to jump uh, unmanned systems, because unmanned systems showed very, very efficient way. And the main problem uh, behind that, that people who control the systems, it's already not soldiers. This is people are PhD, these people are uh, scientists. They can be located in secure place without risky. They don't need to be, you know, real uh, special Navy, yeah. Mary. It could be even a student, but the student is smart yeah. and he can control much better than army soldier. And that's what we see. In you're talking our- about jamming, you're talking about, about operations in the electromagnetic spectrum, or are you talking about operating unmanned systems? Yes, now I'm talking that, uh, now I'm trying to emphasize that Ukrainian unmanned aerial oh, right. systems okay, yeah. are efficient yeah. because in many ways, in many cases, they're controlled not by army soldiers. Yeah. They're controlled by scientists, yeah. people <laughs> who created that. And these people can be located in okay, approximately safe place. Yeah. And they don't need to be real army soldiers. They can be yeah. mobilized, but they are not soldiers. Well, last week I met uh, I met a, it was a company or a group from Western Ukraine who've developed a new, uh, very low cost UAV, which can bomb with two 60 millimeter more shells or napalm. They were on the way to the front. They stopped off to introduce themselves to me looking for help and how they can get expand their capability. But it was young young scientists, younger than scientists. you, who just got together, formed it. And they're on the way to the front to try it out, and they'll sure. go back and, Sending a, and they'll, they'll refine so it. Developing a, a precision strike drone, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. That would cost millions and millions of dollars. And Absolutely. Yeah. And they're, these, these were for sale. They had the, the low cost was 4000 and the high cost was $7,000. Wow. That's a little scary. Yeah. All the drones where, that, that you showed us where you attached the, the gimbal to them and then an RPG seven round or something. And now you've got precision mm-hmm. long range fires. Yeah. And this is the next step of war that these aircrafts, unmanned aircrafts will be controlled by smart people, not yeah. army people, mm-hmm. maybe with artificial intelligence. Notice he said <laughs> by smart <laughs> people, not, not army <laughs> people. Not, uh, sorry, I'm not about uh, Ukrainian it's, army, it's okay. I'm about <laughs> Russian army. Yeah. That they're yeah. stupid. And what they're doing in many, in many cases are very ridiculous from Ukrainian already, from Ukrainian army point of view. Sure, yeah. But in our army, in many, many cases, those who control these uh, drones, they're not army people, yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And this is a challenge. 
that we should be prepared that our enemy would do also the same. It will be smart people who will be using yeah. these drones. And we need to understand how to stop it, to but, jam. But they won't do that in this fight in the coming months, in the coming no. six months. No. This is yeah. the challenge for the, okay, the future wars. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying that if there would be, would be developed technologies, we basically understand what should be done. It should be low power, mm-hmm. low um, uh, detectable systems, but specially developed to, uh, uh, for example, to jump some kinds of uh, Russia drones. Basically, Russia has four drones. Mm. Aileron, Arlan, Coop, uh, Cube, okay, and Orion, I think. Only four types. And these types, we know everything. So if Russia will see me, we know everything, how they are controlled. Yeah. And now Ukraine, now, we, we are already able to do in the future months of systems that can jam it and can kill it. Yeah, you've reverse but, engineered them. Yes. And in already, some cases, you're in your factory, right? Yeah, it's already re- yeah. reversed. Not my factory, but it's already reversed. Yeah. And now it's only a challenge how to create. It's it's, it's basically technologies are not uh, primitive. It's quite quite uh, developed technologies. Yeah. So Russia has access to these technologies right now. But, but do they but, have a- access to the chips? We were talking earlier. But this is I will okay. I will tell next step. Well, we, we, because we have a military audience yeah. and they're not that smart as you pointed out. We only have about five minutes left. But uh, okay, let's say second challenge. This is a, a jamming. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, this is a, a war with rockets, which now uh, goes um, uh, with low attitudes. I yeah. would not say. Precisely about it, but cruise, it's also uh, cruise missiles. Cruise missiles, yeah, it's relatively slow flying. Yes, and it's a yeah. problem for our uh, cities. Mm-hmm. You see what's yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, it's suiciders like switchblades. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Kamikaze drones. Yeah, yeah. Lo- munitions. Yeah, it should be uh, around five seven kilometers and long range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it also should be done cheap. Yeah. As soon as it will be cheap with video link, it will be a perfect business. And also, and now I'll go to Russia possibilities to create the same technologies. And here we have a very interesting story that even if Russia will be able to buy it somehow, even uh, out of sanctions, I have in my hands now systems that were bought them without sanctions. For example, inside of many components, there is Intel processors, Altera, FPGA. It's in Russian. It's in Russia, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Russia radios, in Russia thermal video. They have something that they buy somehow, so but they are not able to buy not only because of sanctions, but because there is a lack of components in the market in the next two years. Sure. That's why BMW, Mercedes, Toyota, they stop their manufacturing. Tesla, there is no chips on the market. And those who buy a lot, they can have access to these chips, yeah. basically, beforehand for a few years. And Russia will not be able, because it will be very easy to detect, you know? and. Uh, the problem, electronical market problem right now, playing against Russia. Russia will not be able to very fast to make a stock of such uh, components. So we have a few years until they will be able. Yeah. And what they need, they need a special, very highly cost and highly uh, performance, like FPGA systems. Mm-hmm. And uh, my message also to producers and to sellers of FPGA on these companies, distributors, just to follow, because... Uh, like Altera, Xilinx companies, Lettis, these companies are, uh, sh- are well, will be in great need from Russia. And uh, because of problems with the market with these components, uh, it's very easy to detect, you know, those who will try 
to overcome the sanctions. So if, yeah. so if a company violates the sanctions, it'll be easy to find out that they yeah. didn't. Yeah, so that's good information. For Ukraine, it's very good situation on the electronic market. I would say that if Russia, it will be very, very hard now to reproduce even what they have right now. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think we're almost out of time here. I'd, I'd, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I was I was just, we had a call just now from listeners uh, asking for an extra five minutes with Q. Okay, okay. Well, it, you didn't know it was a live show, but yeah. apparently it is. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I didn't want to, I didn't mean to cut you off. Just yeah. to, you had more questions? Uh, well, actually, uh, Q, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us what else you wanted to talk about. I've got, I want to ask you about uh, manned, unmanned tanks. You know, you made some very perceptive comments the other day, but I want to give you a chance to, to finish what you wanted to uh, tell us. Yeah, first, uh, all companies and people who wants to make military business together are invited to Ukraine. We can support them with all this bureaucracy. Uh, we understand mm-hmm. how bureaucracy works. And second, my uh, my engineer uh, feeling that there is a next step of developing of the war. Not only uh, now aerial, unmanned aerial vehicles yeah. show their efficiency. Next step is terrestrial land systems. Mm-hmm. We also invest to that, and I hope, and many companies like Biotechnologies mm-hmm. invest, many, many, uh, like Milram from Estonia. These companies are starting, only starting this way. Yeah. But this is also the very big step to the next kind of war, where those who will be winning wars will not be army, but it will be a kind of machines, yeah. machines yeah. and people behind yeah. these machines. I don't believe in artificial but not, intelligence. But behind them, but not in them. Yes, yes, I just believe in artificial te- uh, technologies in short terms, yeah. so in tens of years. But I believe that people uh, who will doing this next wars and worse, it's an un- inevitable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It will be very smart people who can bring new uh, kind of strategies, tactics like gaming. And next generation of generals will be those who we'll are games now. Yeah. <laughs> In VR, uh, you watch. <laughs> my son's gonna love that soon. Yeah, yeah. So I want to, I want to pursue something you said, uh, and you just—I mean, you mentioned it again, but it's fascinating. You, when I was fascinated by it when you first brought it up. So you're talking about. First of all, I'd like to hear some of the lessons that we should have learned from this war so far about man against tank, about performance of tanks in battle. I would say that new tanks still are very powerful weapon, but this is powerful if people understand how they should be used mm-hmm. and uh, i have lots of I, i'm now collecting making my collection of applications of tanks in this war for example in city war yeah it's very powerful weapon but it should be done a different way so now we understand some tricks already in tanks we understand why these tanks were not such an efficient as it was uh, okay programmed okay like the by military conception yeah. of Russia use, because Russia used tanks a lot this war, and many armor vehicles. Yeah. And armor vehicles, sometimes for me, it's it's, uh, it's not, uh, I'm super surprised too much. They put inside of a car uh, equipment, okay, $1 million equipment, Yeah. and they don't have an armor even on this car. I call BMD4, mm-hmm. for example, they have aluminum armor, because they yeah. they should be parachute, how would say it, uh, parachute. Light, oh, right, lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. Lightweight. And yeah. they put a lot of equipment that people cannot use because yeah. it's so complicated that <laughs> I can't use it. <laughs> and uh, in many cases, it was uh, principal errors, and this is corruption. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they buy such an equipment yeah. because of corruption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, also playing uh, for Ukraine right now. But a uh, concept of next concept of tank wars will be, of course, unmanned. Yeah. 
because you have to spend so much on a tank to protect the crew. Sure. And and yet, what do you get out of it? You get a main gun that can fire maybe 2,000 meters, maybe 2,500 meters, but that's it, right? And and it's very easy, we've seen, relatively easy to destroy or cause what we call mobility kill sure. on a tank. And But if you put people inside, then you make it more vulnerable yeah. because the tank, the tank can go on firing if it is automatic, but if you stun the crew, they become incapable. And crew has uh, also uh, nerves. Yes, they are the weakness yeah. in the system. Which yes. it, it kind of validates the new uh, Marine Corps policy. Yeah, that's tanks. where I was heading, yeah. yeah. Thank you, uh, General Berger, if you're watching <laughs> this. Um, Retrospectively, <laughs> if you want to make me a general, I'd be very happy. <laughs> it's the same, not only with tanks, but also with ships. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the same story. It's going to be unmanned very fast. And here we come back to jamming. We come yeah. to communication. Yeah. Next idea is how to do this communication. And so this is just a way of developing of new smart things yeah. in this army. And I am sure that many technologies will come not from military business, yeah. but will come from uh, IT well, they, they already are, right? Yeah. I mean, the concept of the Internet of Things is something that we should be seeing with uh, machinery of war, right? Where they are interacting, they're communicating between each other. To your point, there still has to be a human in the loop, but there doesn't have to be humans in those machines. Yes, but the, the humans might be continually pulled back from That's right. in the yeah, decision yeah. loop. Yeah, yeah I, I'm a bit frustrated and a bit regret. It, it's regret for me that this is not the first war when unmanned tanks started to be used. Yes. <laughs> But yeah. maybe, maybe, I hope that still there is a chance, <laughs> maybe in some someday, that even at this war, first unmanned tank will be used in some in some application. Yeah. Unmanned tank. Unmanned yeah. tank. Okay. Now, are you, but are the Ukrainians developing an unmanned tank? Or are they looking uh, at it? I know you I would tanks, say it's right? not Ukrainian. I would say private companies. Private yeah. companies working this way. Good. And we have a huge success in yeah. that. And uh, I'm sure that in some day, Russia will be very afraid yeah. that what they see behind, you know, before them, if there is crew or not, there is a crew. And this is the next step of, uh, we call it um, Operations Ipso. Uh, informational war operation. Yes, yes. If a yeah. crew inside of tank doesn't understand, yeah. if this armor vehicle is meant or unmanned, you know, mm -hmm. it will be the next step of um, the fighting and uh, winning because tank without crew has much better performance even if it's shot. Yeah. 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 And yes. after that, it could change also approach of our enemies to armor vehicles. Yeah. Where it can be lighter, a tank with an unmanned, lighter, you know, lighter, faster, uh, lower signature, all, all of these Everything things. Could, yeah. could be used. You, you've made some great comments, though, about also, I mean... I know, let, me, let me say yeah, the, the application that is very clear. It's mines. Because if you would, would like to make the mining, and that yeah. is our idea, we're trying to move this very fast to the market. If you have uh, lots of mines, it's three, 300 square kilometers of the mines around Ukraine. It was uh, five times more than it was before war. It's a mm -hmm. huge problem with agriculture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a huge problem for frontline. Yeah, we were told 126,000 square kilometers. It's huge. Yeah. And uh, uh, basically, the basic technology is tanks. Tanks yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. And just the mines, they don't care. That's if there is a yeah. mine or not, it's just blow up, blow up, blow up. Yeah. 
you can't do it by hand because by your, you know, by my manual, because there is mistake. Yeah. For tanks, there is no mistake. It just goes like uh, yeah. a big truck. We, we got involved in this about six, seven years ago. We looked at this hard and we look at technologies using drones to go over, identify mines and then being able to, to mitigate them or destroy them from above. And we took this to some of the big demining operations out there and it wasn't received terribly well because we showed them that you could do their job a lot more quickly and a lot less expensively than they're doing it now, which then becomes a threat to their operations. And so it gets back to, you know, Western uh, bureaucracy, which your innovation is going to undermine. I think that's something to consider. Undermine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so, no, 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 no. You know, as we draw to a close, though, I think that I find also very impressive uh, about you. I know I'm sounding like a sycophant here, but you are very perceptive. You've made some very perceptive comments about the will to fight, right? Uh, the will to fight, not only the difference in resolve between the Russian and Ukrainian soldier, but also you've somehow ended up as uh, the deputy commander of the Legion, the Foreign Legion, and I know you've discussed the problems of bringing in guys from outside to fight for Ukraine. Can you talk a little bit about that? About Foreign Legion problems? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Basically, uh, uh, I would say that the major problem for Foreign Legion, it's not uh, uh, fighting. It's uh, everyday common yeah. problems, living. It's food, it's a uh, place to live, and in many cases it's conflicts. It's like a real army. Yeah. And there are, should, should be people who, and this is different languages, different cultures. Yeah. I can tell you a story. Azerbaijanian foreign legion guy said me that he was sent to one of front lines next to Kiev with uh, pork uh, yeah, spam. Pork, yeah, yeah. It, in his rations, mm -hmm. yeah. And he was four days hungry. So yes. after that, he said, no, I don't want to be with this unit yeah. given me. So this is a small thing that should be uh, just um, a bit more deeply concerned uh, and there should be a special people who work this because okay in my environment I have a few people which are talking uh, some doctors who can care about people but in other units sometimes there are no yeah. and this starts to be very low moral uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, approach and people would like to go to fight and in many cases they are not understand what kind of tasks yeah. before uh, so my uh, idea is that uh, we should invite to the foreign legion not only people who want to fight, but also people who wants to support yes. those who yeah. want to mm -hmm. fight. Cooks, uh, barbers, barbers uh, people who do their pay. Psychologists yeah. that can talk to them sometimes yeah. to go to them to not who follow them. Yeah. Maybe it's a kind and, of... And keeping them together. And keeping them together. In, in one unit. That's That's one thing that surprised me. You distribute them, you lose cohesion, and Absolutely. then you have problems. So. People living, they are back after again living, and this is a kind of mass because in Ukrainian army, you have a kind of rule. You can't leave your unit. Yeah. But in foreign legion, it's basically, it's like a volunteer. Yeah. And in many cases, uh, it should be stuck. Okay. Something, uh, at, uh, okay, like uh, adhesive should be. Yeah. And yeah, we call it uh, cohesion. Cohesion. It, it's binds them together. Binds together. Yeah. Which, it's not commander in many cases because no, commander yeah. is from Ukraine. He doesn't yeah. speak all languages. Camaraderie. It's it's uh, understanding they have a common cause. Yes. And sharing danger, sharing all of those things. So yeah. I would invite people to come to Ukraine who wants to help these people to get into. In many cases, I saw 
it's a few cases already in my my experience that people came here as a love to Kiev and said that I will stay after work. <laughs> and he first question was how much uh, uh, apartment cost in Kiev? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you gonna find how much? Yes. But so people sometimes they see future together with Ukraine. Yeah. And this is a great story. Uh, so my my cousin came out. He's a he's a male nurse who. Uh, He's actually out in Kharkov now, undergoing the shelling, helping out there. And he said he wants to retire in Lviv. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, well, it's a great country. Thanks very much for joining us tonight, Q. It's been great to have you. And uh, the audience has kept us over uh, 10 minutes. Uh, so uh, you're our most popular guest uh, to date. We appreciate your coming on. I want to thank uh, Annie Milborn, who's got uh, trainers out there getting direct information from all the soldiers fighting the Russians and working with people like you to develop new technologies. And uh, he's relying on donor funding at www.themozartgroup.com. Please help him out. Please help us out. Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't want to run out of money. And I'm Andy Bain from the Ukraine Freedom Foundation. F Freedom Fund, you got me going there, Andy. Um, <laughs> Is that what I said? I called you Freedom Foundation? Yeah. yeah. Sorry about yeah, that. Anyway. Yeah. But we're also looking for money at www.theuff.org. And we're buying non-lethal equipment for the Army. And we're US 501c3. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks a lot, guys. For, for it's a great budget. I think you want. And for your support of Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you.